What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. I am the worship arts director here at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville. And uh, though we will have a couple of guests joining me this morning, I am sitting solo in the chair. Uh, no Mike this morning. Uh, he is doing some other super important stuff. I say non-jokingly, it is very important stuff that he's doing. Uh, and I am here doing this important thing, hanging out in our green room at Lake Forest Church Huntersville, looking out on Gilead Road uh, on a Tuesday morning, having just survived some school drop-off traffic. If you're anything like me, uh, then you need a deep breath just to calm down from that whole experience. But hey, it's good to have you with us on the podcast today. Uh, we are going to have a chat with a couple people that we would consider uh, experts in parenting in a digital age. Uh, a couple weeks ago on Sunday, Mike talked about flourishing in a digital age. Uh, last episode of the podcast, we talked a little bit about uh, how to make your your uh, how to parent your phone. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about how to parent your actual children when it comes to technology. Um, I remember my one of my first encounters with this. Um, my oldest is a sophomore in college, so he was probably I guess twelve. I could look up the date of this game. There was a game where huge Miami Hurricane football fans, if you didn't know that about me, I'm from South Florida and never grew out of that for all the pain that has caused me over all these years. Um, there was a game maybe seven years ago, uh, Miami football against the Duke Blue Devils on Halloween night. Uh, we got done from trick-or-treating, came in, watched the end of this game, and this game ended on a play with eight laterals that ended with Miami scoring a touchdown to win the game on a kickoff return to win the game at the end of the game was awesome. So much fun. And I remember, um, this was kind of our first experience with a kid with social media. So we watched it and we celebrated and, and my kid had put, uh, his phone up kind of recording, you know, watching the end of the game just in case something crazy happened, like capturing his reaction. So, Miami wins. We both go crazy. And he he takes his phone, watches the clip that he just grabbed, and he said, hey, Dad, can you rewind to, to the end of the game again? I was like, yeah, sure. So I rewound it, and he set the camera back up to film his reaction of Miami winning again because he didn't love how he captured the first one because he wanted to post it. And that, this was the first time an alarm bell was kind of going off in my brain as a parent being like, huh, I wonder what this is doing to, uh, my kids. I wonder what this, this constant, uh, connection, uh, social media, having the whole world at your fingertips at all times was the first time I kind of really became aware of how our kids are thinking about this and how it's affecting them. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to get into uh, some, some ideas today. Uh, first for, from uh, Pastor Andrew about t- hanging with some younger kids and then from one of our elders, Christy Leonard, uh, who has kids who are a little bit older, uh, about what it means to parent your kids in a digital age. And it's not easy. Let me remind you, uh, a couple weeks ago when we heard from Pastor Mike, he, uh, he shared some takeaways from a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, by a guy named John Mark Comer. And uh, Mike put up on the screen these six points. So I want to I want to 
um, share these to set the stage. And then uh, we're going to toss it over to, to Andrew here in a moment. So these are six ways to eliminate digital distraction from the ruthless elimination of hurry. Number one, it says turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Number two, get a flip phone. Although as Pastor Mike said, I'm going to skip that because I know none of you are going to do that one. Number three, parent your phone, put it to bed before you and make it sleep in. Number four, keep your phone off until after your morning quiet time. Number five, set times for email. And number six, set a time and limits for social media. So we want to see how some of these principles apply in real life in some ways that uh, some parents have had some success in uh, in helping their kids walk through this. So uh, without any further ado, cue the music for Andrew Ruth. All right, man, we are back. Andrew Ruth, Pastor Andrew Ruth. What's up, man? How are you doing on this Tuesday morning? What's up, Harrison? Always good to sit and hang out and talk about Stuff. Jesus in real life and yeah. how those things collide. Awesome, man. Well, hey, let's get right to it. So, I- Andrew, um, uh, remind our folks listening who may not know you and your family as well, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, technology parenting. How old are your two kids? Yeah, we have two kids currently. We have a nine-year-old son. He is in third grade, Jack. We call him Hammer. And then we have an almost two-year-old little girl. Her name is Rain. Um, And uh, so those are the kids that we're actively parenting. In the past, we have fostered uh, a couple older boys. And so at different points in our life, we've also fostered a teenager and a late elementary school kid. Um, and had to kind of navigate what it's like when you have a kid who's, we have a a 13-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a four-year-old all in the same house and and i know that's a lot more like your family where you've got a big age range all over the place man i i think that we are um not only for us as humans andrew because like you and i have to learn how to interact with technology for ourselves because we you know uh growing up for us it was like um you know, at a certain point we had a desktop computer and we could sign into AOL and like you could do some stuff on the internet and this is kind of like a new thing. Um, so we're learning how to use it, but not only that, like we are kind of writing the manual at times. It feels like on how in the world do we lead our kids through this like age of the, the most insanely high level of uh, connectivity that has ever existed in human history. So as, as you and Claire have sat down and figured out what, what do we want this to look like for our kids? What are some of the things that, um, the good and the bad, what are some ways that you guys have said, this is how we want our house to be? Yeah, that's a great question. And we have, I've been having these conversations for a while just due to the nature of our jobs. My wife being a marriage and family therapist who works with a lot of teenagers and then as a pastor who works with youth um, regularly and parents all the time um, for the last decade, we've been thinking about this and trying to be intentional in our own lives about it. 
And then when we had kids and fostered, we've had to make decisions. And so I think the first thing that we think about is um, our own kind of rhythms with with technology, because Hmm. um, what's not modeled is not credible. Um, So if I am if I'm setting boundaries for my children, but I'm not setting boundaries for myself, then it's just not very it's not credible. Uh, Then it's it's a a hypocritical and and kids see right through that. And so Hmm. and then the second thing is that we didn't want to we really believe that um, since that that Jesus wants to reclaim every aspect of creation and technology is just another one. And so we're not Mm -hmm. anti-technology or pro-technology. We just want to be really careful with it. And the way we kind of started talking to Jack about that after Mike's sermon, we talked to my son about technology all the time and he already thinks we're weird and and difficult. Um, But we were talking about it. Uh, He's been fascinated by like food health and how food affects our bodies and, and specifically junk food or additives or anything like that. And so he, has started to realize that there's some food that you that's that's really good in moderation, but if you have too much of it, it can make you really sick or even mm. lead to long-term health effects. And so we were able to think about technology the same way with him. And But we have found some really cool positive ways, and I'd love to share some of those. We have found that technology just really works for us, and one of them might be surprising to a lot of people, which is that um, from early on we knew that we wanted our children to have some form of devotional time, to create a rhythm that they connect with God first thing in the morning. Um, just hmm. to, to talk and that we'd kind of do that as a family, as a worship experience for, you know, 10, 15 minutes max. And and when Jack could not read when he was really young, um, the only option, we tried a bunch of different things. We tried reading in the morning, and that's really difficult to focus. And so we actually fell into using a 10 to 15 minute screen devotional um, based on YouTube. And so we have I've gone through a bunch of them. Our favorite is... Um, called Superbook. It's put out by CBN, Superbook, um, and it's outstanding. In fact, uh, Morgan, who works here, uh, used to work with the guys who produce it, and Hmm. she says they're just outstanding. And so our basic everyday rhythm is we wake Jack up, he comes downstairs, and the very first thing he does is turn on the TV. And that sounds terrible, um, and yet it's also he turns on the TV, he goes to YouTube, and right now we're doing a family devotional called um, Family Moments. And so he turns that on, we watch that together, and then the TV goes off and we go to the breakfast table and we eat together and we talk. And so we use technology first thing in the morning, but it's in a particular <laughs> way. And that's been really cool for us. He watches me. Um, we watch that together, not you know separate. And that's a rhythm that has been really cool. I don't know if evangelistically, but discipleship wise, because yeah. when we travel, mm-hmm. the rhythm stays essentially the same, whether his cousins were at his cousin's house or his grandparents house, he gets up and he immediately goes down there and his cousin's like, why are we watching this? And he's yeah. like, this is what we watch first every single sure, day sure. Uh, before we turn on a movie, you know, on a Saturday morning or something. Mm. So that's been really neat. That's cool. I, it just re- reminds me like so directly what you're talking about. Um, the definition that, uh, Tim Keller had for idols where he said uh, an idol is when you take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing. And it's, it is good thinking about, because I think one of the things that's so scary about this as a parent is it feels like at times that it's all bad. Like there, like there's no redeeming value. And by even letting your, letting your kid, you know, have time, you know, watching a, a show that even that you approve of on YouTube, you're like, am I like, murdering their brain health or something like it feels just bad but it but it is good being reminded that there are there are positive ways of using all this stuff 
Yeah, and then I think the other one that I would point to, again, that you that are kind of at the heart of even our spiritual rhythms that Mike was talking about, you know, attentiveness to God in the morning and at night, and then uh, kind of Sabbath rhythms that we, one of the things we do um, on on the Sabbath, uh, for us, that kind of goes Friday at dinner to Saturday at dinner, because mm. at dinner time on Saturday, I start focusing for Sunday morning. Yep. It's time to start working again. It's time to finish my message or to just, you know, make sure that I'm prepared for Sunday morning. So Friday night, we eat a uh, very fancy fancy two-course Sabbath meal. Uh, it's usually pizza for the first course and milkshakes for the second course. Nice. <laughs> and we sit on the floor uh, because my wife doesn't want us to eat, doesn't allow us to eat on the furniture. We lay out blankets and towels and we sit on the floor and eat together. And then we watch a movie. And it's a movie that we've kind of chosen together. So pizza and movie night on Friday nights. And it's a movie that we've chosen together. And so again, our Sabbath and our day both start with technology in a way um, that is is very very modern. Um, we hmm. sit down and choose a movie together and watch it, and it's cool. Um, and so again, those things for me, some of the pivotal things that we have that we value in technology is shared experience. And I think this may be one of the biggest differences between the technology you and I grew up with and the technology our kids grew up. Is that when I grew up, there was essentially one TV in our house. My parents had one in their bedroom, but we weren't allowed to use it. Yeah. And so you, if somebody was watching TV, like we were all watching TV together. The same thing, whether you liked it or didn't like it. And so I grew up watching Matlock and, you know, Murder, She Wrote with at my grandparents' house or watching football or baseball or whatever my parents want, you know, my grandfather or my dad wanted to watch. And you enjoyed that together. And so we've tried to hold on to that. It's really difficult sometimes, but we try to hold on to technology together as much as we can. Let's watch mm-hmm. a movie or can we play a video game together? Can we? Um, and so we have as a family, especially at this age, my son doesn't have a phone, um, probably won't for a little while. Um, he has a tablet, but we don't use the tablet inside our house very much. It's kind of one of those travel tools for us. Sure. Um, because we would rather him watch on the TV where we can all watch together, we can experience it, even if it's something I don't enjoy. Like he likes to watch, you know, video people playing video games on TV. Yeah, weird, huh? <laughs> Very, but, um, but movies, TV shows. So we just wanted to experience these things together because for us, shared experiences breed intimacy. And I want to hmm. be able to talk to my son about what he's experiencing, what he uh, loves, what he doesn't love. And I was real, and I was having to double dip. If he watched it on, like, his tablet, and then I had to go back and watch it again on my device, that, like, it was just taking twice as long. Sure. And, um, there's also some built-in accountability and processing. Um, my wife would like to protect our children from all bad influences, and I feel a little bit more pessimistic that that's not possible. Yeah. And so I'd rather just be there to help process afterwards. Hmm. That's good. I saw a story. It's probably anecdotal because it sounds too good to be true, but it was someone posted and said, I saw my kid watching a video of someone playing video games. And I said, well, why don't you just play the video games? And the kid said, I see you watching people play football. Why don't you play football? (laughs) It's like, okay, well, touche. He's not wrong. And, and, and so we, um, that kind of brings me to a couple other ones that are just like practical stuff. I want to give sure. tools that have helpful. And, and again, this, these are tools. These are not, this is not advice or shooting anybody. Yeah. You'll have to figure out kind of what works for y'all and what doesn't work for us. We try to think principles and then, and narrow those down. And so, um, we found that screen time in my own life is something that kind of works like, uh, 
gas in a vacuum, it'll fill whatever space you give it. And mm-hmm. so if I don't set limits on it, it'll just keep expanding and expanding because it's designed to. It's designed to hold my attention. It's designed because the longer they can hold my attention, the longer they can um, commercialize and mm-hmm. and um, my attention. They can, they can market my attention to advertisers and other people. And so cool. they have gotten good at that. And that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be nefarious. It's just reality. Yep. And so uh, we set screen time limits, and those change by age, um, and they change by season. So for Jack, there are seasons of his life, uh, like during the school year, where he gets less screen time, um, you know, significantly less right now. Uh, Just to be honest, he gets 30 minutes a day, um, which is both a lot and a little, depending on who you ask. But that's what he gets. He gets 30 minutes a day, not including his devotional time. And not including any time he and I are watching a sports game together. Yeah. Uh, Which is not very often, but the reason I came up with that was um, I realized that sport, watching sports together, we talk about the sports. uh, Usually we're watching a sport he plays or that he will play or that I play. And so we're actually died. We're actually breaking down the game. And I learned Hmm. that there is a lot of things like in baseball. I know your son plays baseball. That you can learn baseball in practice, but the meta concepts of how the shift works or where your cutoff is or where your assignment is that you can't see on the field. You can only see from above the field. And the same is true in basketball. Um, when you, you know, to try to learn a 2-3 zone inside of a 2-3 zone is almost impossible, but if you watch... Um, you know, Dean Smith's Carolina teams, you can learn it pretty quickly. Um, and so we do that as training for sports and as emotional connection together. And so that kind of, that awesome. doesn't happen often. I mean, we might watch. It just doesn't because I don't have enough time to sit down and watch games. Yeah, they usually sure. come on late after he goes to bed or I'm yeah, still yeah. at work. So, mm-hmm. um, And then uh, we also allow extra screen time um, on the weekends, especially if he has friends over. Um, if he is partaking of technology with another human being in the same physical space, um, we will often allow, like we, we, we want to encourage friendship and relationship building. We don't want technology to rob us of that. Yep. And that's what we're trying to guard against. But if it's helping facilitate that, then we'll allow for, you know, we, we will increase that limit. If he's, if he's got a friend who's staying over to watch a movie, like, okay, let's, let's stay up a little bit late. Let's build memories hmm. in healthy ways that are relationships, uh, assets and not detract and and not deterrence and so Mm. um, we put that in place that's awesome well what's so great about that that I think one of the best nuggets in there Andrew that I hope people listening will grab you said at the beginning is that you kind of have to um, you know you try stuff you tailor it to your family you tailor it to your experience but what's so great about that is like the the last thing you would probably want to be are the uh, if you're over vigilant and you're the ones that are being the party pooper on your kid is over and they're having fun. Maybe they're watching a movie or they're sitting on their tablets and they're each playing Minecraft and building a house or something. And then, you know, the alarm goes off and you storm and you're like screen time's over. And then they're like, Oh man, like we, nothing bad is happening. Like they're having fun, making a memory together. Like you said, social. So like to have the, to have the wisdom and the flexibility to say, guidelines are great and and guidelines are guidelines and there's sometimes where it's going to flex this way and sometimes it'll flex that way and we're all going to be good with that the hard the hardest thing i think in any area 
teaching my kids at least is the art of flexibility. <laughs> like, you know, like once, once you say it, you have to be so careful as a parent. Once you say something, if you have kids that hear it like this, boom, boom, rigid, rigid, and you change it, they're like, well, that's not what you said. And you're like, well, you know what? The circumstances changed a little bit. So we're going to flex with this a little bit one way or the other. Yeah. And we try to explain that, you know, like we said, Hey, we're gonna, if your friends are here, you get an extra 30 minutes or something. And we'll usually set a, a, de- a definitive timeline for us has been really, really worked well because the, like you said, the gray area, um, we realize that, you know, the only, the difference between toddlers and terrorists is you can negotiate with terrorists <laughs> and we just don't have a negotiating, like we no negotiation parenting kind of philosophy because sure. it, it feels it it feels like a loss in the moment and a loss after the moment and it just an ero- a, a game of erosion and mm-hmm. so we have tried sure. to set those um, you know say hey we're gonna do this for another thirty minutes we're gonna go ahead and set the timer um, I'll warn you ahead of time and then we'll go f- so that you're not surprised when it runs mm-hmm. out but it is difficult um, and I gr- I agree with all parents in that that there are and it's par- and it's difficult because everybody has different parenting styles even in my nuclear family our extended family we are probably the most conservative when it comes to use of screens and when it comes to time limits and even what we'll partake in and not partake in and that kind of mm. leads me to the last point that i would just throw out there is a couple tools that we i use um we're d- these i kind of think of as like uh one of them is a non-negotiable kind of in our family hmm. and that's that we um we keep accountability software on all of our electronic devices so it tracks everything that we watch or do that's on my cell phone that's on my laptop that's on claire's that's also on our tvs that's on my son's tablet that's on um and so i'm not asking anything from my children you know i remember when we were parenting our 13 year old he thought that was absolutely ridiculous and i was like we literally i have the exact same software on my phone like it's nothing that um i'm not asking you to do anything because you're 13 uh, that I don't think I'm doing it because I think it's life-giving and helpful and, yep. and I'm doing that in my own life. And so we do, mm. we use a software called covenant eyes. Yep. There are yep. a lot of other ones. That's just the one that we really like. Um, it works well for us. It's probably the best $15 a month we spend. Um, and it was some of the things that, you know, I personally delayed in my life and allowed myself to develop habits of pornography in other ways because I just was, I had the ability without um, of secrecy. I had the ability mm-hmm. of secrecy and hiding and, and we just want to live a different life and we want our children to live a different life. And that's not so that we can bring the hammer down it again, so that we can have good conversations yep. when pornography shows up, which it will, the average age of exposure is just, is decreasing less and less and less. It's, you know, somewhere around the late elementary, uh, age now that your kids are going to get exposed and mm. i heard mike hall explain it one time to give a kid an un unaccountability device or an unfiltered device um those are two different things accountability software just tells me what you've looked at filtration um, kind of blocks certain stuff yep um both are have their purposes but to give a kid an unaccountability or an unfiltered device is like taking a handful of magazines off the rack at the gas station and just spreading them out on your table, including all the pornographic ones, like putting them all on the, you know, putting out pornographic magazines and sports magazines and home improvement magazines on your den- your coffee table and then telling your children, don't look at those yeah. and assuming they won't when I've just put it in the living room, like I've mm. just put it in their hand, yep. um, that their pornography is just that 
prevalent. And so to not to not pay attention to that is foolish um, in my estimation. And so yeah. we really take that really serious. And that uh, so that's one of those hard uh, hard and fast ones. One of the other ones we did for a while, and we still do now, is that um, if there's a software medium that we just don't trust, um, whether it be because we don't have full control over it or because they have fallen, we're just not afraid to say, hey, we can use these other things, but not this. Um, mm-hmm. And so that yep. even goes to the point where, like, um, Jack, who's only nine, so he's still really young. Um, I have to remind him. He doesn't think that, but he is. Nine yeah. is really, really young. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get to watch YouTube without an adult present. Yeah. Um, because of advertising and because of the way the algorithms work, I don't trust the algorithms. It's not that I don't trust my son, but I have given my son, I've, I've essentially given my son to a babysitter who I don't know. Yep. Um, and that babysitter can show him anything they think is appropriate, but I don't have any way of knowing the babysitter or asking them questions. And so I don't, that's just, I'm just not comfortable with that. And so we don't do that. Um, and then the last tool that's been, you know, helpful for us is a tool called common sense media, common sense media.com um, is, uh, you can get paid subscriptions to it. We don't have one. We just, if there's a movie we're thinking about watching on the Sabbath or a show that my son wants to bring or a video game that he really wants to download on his Xbox, I just jump on my phone and I Google the name of the movie and common sense media. And it will give me kind of a rating. It'll actually give me like seven ratings in different Mm -hmm. categories. It will give me what parents say, what experts say, so it crowdsources, it crowdsources expert opinions, and then it crowdsources parent opinions, and then it crowdsources kid opinions. And I really like that because it gives me, again, it's not a hard, it, it gives me a range. We can read about it. We can read why certain parents said this is a 12 plus movie, like t- ages 12 and up, and why some other ones said it was six and a hump, and we can try to make a decision for ourselves. And we don't go into it blind where we get halfway through a movie and we're like, Oh no, what have we just put on the TV? And some of that is legitimately my fault. Like, because I didn't check common sense on a movie I had seen before, but forgotten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things like, I had forgotten how many four-letter words there are in Karate Kid. Like, that's not a kid-friendly movie. Yeah. Not, a, not a nine-year-old friendly movie, anyways, mm-hmm. um, in my estimation. It's a great movie. But part of the problem, again, is like how we consume technology as kids. We, I watched mo- a lot of movies, maybe even most movies, on cable. Mm-hmm. And so they were edited down. And yep. so they had taken so much out of it that I didn't even know was actually ever in it. Because mm-hmm. when I watched it with my mom and dad on cable... With the commercials, it was already it was already censored yeah. and made appropriate. Yeah, sure, dude. That is so helpful, um, even for me. And I, like you said, I'm in all those stages at once. I would I would add one more little helpful nugget that you pointed out that has just helped, like behaviorally with my kids understanding it and getting it. But like super practically, like you mentioned, we are big proponents of like overly. Uh, reminding our kids, hey, for whatever it is, whether it's a technology, whether it's bedtime, we're like, hey, 15 minutes, I'll come back. Hey, five minutes. Like for some reason with our kids, like when you, they don't keep track of time as well as us. So when you just come in and be like, all right, shut it off. They're like, what? No, I have to have more. So like those little things, man, they just help you as a parent and they help your kids. And it helps like, I feel like half a parent is like, diffusing uh 
the bomb that may explode and you just have to work on it ahead of time. You're like, if I, if I don't <laughs> like, I'm just protecting myself, honestly, at this point, but I'm protecting them as well and helping them learn these habits. So just one more from the, from the Gilming household that, that, that has been super helpful for us that you mentioned, just keeping on top of just reminding that it just helps everybody out. Yeah. And I, I can't, I, that is not my personality. Like I, I don't wear a watch. I have to work really hard to manage my own calendar. I, time is an illusion. Um, and so I relate to kids in that regard. But for parenting, it has been a game changer. And it may be – it just helps set expectations. Sure. Um, it's probably the thing we use um, Siri and Google the most for in our house mm-hmm. is, hey – Google set a timer for 15 minutes, and then the timer is visible to everybody and display it, uh, though my Google display is a whole different problem. We're not going to talk about that today. Um, That'll but, be the next episode about oh, te- uh, solving technological problems. We'll get Dustin in here. It'll be great. Yeah. But, no, I appreciate just a chance to compare with other parents, and we really are constantly learning from you guys. So if you have helpful feedback, if there are things that have worked for you or haven't worked or uh, you just want to dialogue with somebody – um, I would love to sit and talk with you and, and to hear what's working, what's not working, um, and what I can look forward to. And that's part of why I like hanging out with Harrison is he's got kids older than mine. And so he can be helping me see, like you said, the bombs that are coming down the pipe that I can avoid, that I don't have to step in that hole. Mm-hmm. I can I can find a whole nother one because I guarantee <laughs> you there is another one. Oh, there's plenty. Yeah. But I want to, I want to make I want to make a plan, execute the plan, and then uh, do what they call now in business a retrospective, um, which is just like, what worked, what didn't work, what are we going to do different next time? Nice, man. Thanks for the chance to talk about it. Thanks for sitting, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, We will turn the page now to one of our awesome uh, Lake Forest Huntersville elders, Christy Leonard. Cue the music. All right, we're back uh, with Christy Leonard, one of our Lake Forest Huntersville elders. Christy, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's, my pleasure. it's good to have you here. So, um, Christy, just to get this started, uh, how I started with Andrew similarly, uh, remind me of uh, how many kids do you guys have? What are your kids' ages right now to set some framework for this conversation? Sure. I mean, we've been at Lake Forest for about 11 years, so we've gone through a lot of the process of parenting and figuring out some of these things while we've been here. But now um, my son is in college in Nashville, and my daughter just went off to college in Winston-Salem. And so, yeah, they're 20 and 18 adults. And then my youngest is 14, and um, she's in Remix here. She's a high schooler. And I'm very grateful for everyone on the Remix team and how they work together with the parents. It's been a godsend through the years. Yeah. Well, to give a little bit more context, just so people listening can hear this, um, Christy, it's been awesome um, having you as part of our elder team. I can say just from the staff side, I don't get to be um, in all of the uh, elder meetings with some of the pastors and you guys, but, um, the role that you guys perform just so people who, people who listen to this, Mike and I think of as our Lake Forest first followers are super fans of what we're doing. And just so you all are aware, um, Christy really exemplifies, I think, uh, 
a role of an elder to, to our staff team, which is just a, um, constant encourager and partner. So it's just, I think our entire staff team would agree with that. And I certainly would. Cause if I'm, if I'm hearing from you, it's, it's just like the nicest thing. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that from you and from our elder team as well in the way that you guys do this, but also, you. um, you guys as elders are, um, partners with us in all this life stuff of figuring out how do we do this? And, uh, I am not perfect. I'm assuming you're not perfect. I haven't seen you. I haven't personally seen you mess anything up, but I'm assuming you're not perfect. No, I mean, I I agree that we're all figuring things out as we go. And even as elders um, in the last few years during COVID, we're trying to figure things out digitally. How does church look these days? Do we need to be a place where people gather in community live? Can we go uh, make it easier for people to just tap in and worship online? And what's the right balance there? Um, you know, how should we be serving at meeting people in the door and making eye contact? And you can already see where my passions lie. And um, yeah. I have been very, I guess, just honored to be a part of that team. And the elders all care so much and put their heart into it. So, mm. Well, so um, I mentioned, I can't remember if it was with Andrew or whether it was with Mike last week, but a lot of things about parenting, we have been able to learn good or bad from our own upbringing, from our own parents. Yeah. We are unfortunately the first generation of parents that have had to figure out not only for ourselves, how to, how to function in kind of a new digital world, but like we're, we're there's, there hasn't been like a generation of roadmap to figure out like, Hey, this is good. This is bad. There's a lot of resources out there, but there's not a lot of like experience resources for us to look back and be like, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> my parents didn't let me have screen time because it was like, yeah. that wasn't, a, you know, maybe about watching TV or something, but it was so different. So yeah. I guess my first question just to start this with you is um, navigating this for you and your husband as parents specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what has that been like for you? What, uh, what approaches generally have you taken or conversations have you and your husband had to have uh, together with your kids to figure out, like, we think this is who we want to be. How, what has your approach been to, to, to start off? Yeah. Well, I think that things are changing so fast that the approach to parenting we've had for our son, who's six years older than our youngest daughter is completely different. And I think their lives have been completely different because of the age that their friends got phones. That's how fast I feel like it's happening. Um, So I honestly have had a little different parenting, not only because my three kids have so much different styles and different personalities, but also just because of what I feel like is happening in the landscape. Mm. And it's, we talked about this a minute before we, um, before we went on the air here, but I think the most important thing for us is that we keep a posture of relationship Hmm. with our kids, walking through them, walking through the challenges that they face and shepherding them along the path. Um, They are digital natives. Uh, They, my kids actually are all Gen Z. And so the phone came out, the iPhone came out shortly after my three kids were born. Um, But they haven't really known a life without a phone. So for them to be digital natives and for me to come in and just you know for Paul and I to say like here's all our rules this is the way you're going to do it could potentially drive a wedge in our relationship um, and also could 
prevent us from being aware of some of the things that we need to parent when they do make a mistake, which they are bound to do, which I did. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to have some mistakes that are done in our house. Um, Some conversations where the kids come to me and say like, hey, this is challenging and um, just to be able to talk with them. And I still have that with both of my college kids. And I, I know that there's challenges that they have that they've shared with me. And I'm, I feel honored. I, like I said, it's my calling and my profession hmm. to be a coach. And it's a sacred trust that you have as your kids get older. So um, having said that, my youngest is still in my house. She's 14 and we have a lot more rules for her. Yep. Um, and we will until she leaves the house and we'll stay closer to her and hopefully equip her well so that she can go off to school. And um, it'll be this journey together, hopefully throughout their life. Yeah, it's interesting as they get older. And I've heard this said, um, you were mentioning to me that that you're a, an avid reader and you're always looking to learn yeah. and grow. And I think that something I've picked up along the way, I can't remember where, is this idea that um, as your kids get older, the the answer because I said so is less and less oh helpful, gosh. right? Because yeah. you 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 have to have you have to have reasoning to explain to them at a certain point. Because as they get older, they want to know. Okay, you're telling me that I can't uh, be on Snapchat for three hours a day. Right? Why? And right. and as they get older, when when it's don't uh, don't do something when they're seven that they're not going to understand all the way. You can say you have to trust me. I'm your parent. I'm telling you this because I care about you. But at a certain point, you have to have an answer, don't you? Yeah, I think in we can get into some of the essentials and non-essentials if we want to call it that in our yeah. household. Things we've decided are non-negotiables um, and things that we're more flexible on. But when you said because I said so, it just reminded me of all the layers of challenge with this topic and how important it is, as Pastor Mike said, to give yourself grace, especially in areas that you or your husband or spouse or partner Mm -hmm. might struggle with or kids might struggle with because um, that is another layer added challenge. Um, You and your spouse might or partner might have come from a different background. Our Paul and I both came from very different backgrounds and you might have a different style or yeah. different challenges. And we do. Um, I grew up in a household where, I mean, my dad was in the air force 20 years. And so the military has a, a path of authority figures and you will do what it, you know, and I was also raised Catholic and yep. there's rules. <laughs> That's a double our, whammy. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. our house was, you will follow the rules yeah. because I said so. Yep, yep. And my husband grew up without all that. Honestly, he, Grew up in New Orleans. Let's start there. And um, so I've had to work with him really closely. And I think it's important for for relationships that you can communicate not only with your kids, but with your spouse and Mm -hmm. work on these things. So. um, So, yes, double yes to what you said. Okay, so then let's get into it for you, for you and your family. And uh, I'll put a caveat on top of this that um, that Andrew mentioned just a little bit ago that I think is really good wisdom just as our listeners are hearing what you're saying, um, context within your particular family is everything. And yeah. like you said, kid to kid is different. Family to family is especially different. So as you're even listening, um, here in just a moment to, uh, what, what Christy's going to lay out for her family, um, this is what has worked well in your context for your mm-hmm. family that you have worked out with Paul that you've worked out with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's going to look a little different for different people. And what I mainly mentioned is just so that, um, 
this is a this is a topic I told our band in here last week when Mike was talking about it. I don't know if you remember there was a documentary called Supersize Me by yes. a guy named Morgan Spurlock <laughs> who was ate McDonald's every day for a month or something. And people kept telling me at the time, You should watch, you should watch it. And I'm like, I don't think I want to. Like I don't want to like there's some of this that like you're a little afraid of because you know like there's some of this you need to do better at, but I put all that caveat on to say wherever you're at on this spectrum as you're listening yes. to this, whether this message from Mike and these podcasts are finally like an impetus for you to say like, we got to figure something out because we have nothing right now. Or if you have had detailed conversations and a big plan in place, this is for, um, this is for encouragement and just to yes. share information 100%. of where you have been. So with all that said, as you guys have approached your uh, kids, one high school now, a couple approaching college territory, yes. what, what have been, the, um, what have been, like you said, the negotiables and the non-negotiables, what are the areas that you're like, we're going to do this. And if you're a part of our house, you're going to have to trust us and we'll explain it, but we're going to do this. And what are the ones, like you said, that you're willing to let them, uh, maybe even fail a little bit as they're yeah. figuring it out. Well, hopefully um, anything that we have decided to follow is based on principles. I always try to go start there, right? Yeah. And so we we just want to make sure that the kids are connected in healthy ways to community. And I've always told my kids I really think it would be great if you have more than one community. And I mentioned Remix a minute ago because – I think some of those communities can temper the drama that happens at school or yeah. at swim team or soccer team or uh, in the neighborhood. So my kids have multiple communities and well, they need time to be able to do that. So um, I don't want them to be on the phone all the time for that reason. Hmm. And so uh, um, I guess a couple of the non-negotiables we put in place are similar to things that, uh, that Mike had pointed out this weekend in the um, in or two weeks ago, actually, mm-hmm. um, in the parenting in the digital age. Um, and you know, one is we don't have phones upstairs in the bedrooms. Um, we don't bring them upstairs at night. We have a certain time that they shut down. Um, when they're in our house, we have the, you know, the settings function where you can pick by app, how much time they have on different apps. Hmm. And there's apps we don't like as much as others because they can lead down paths that we're not comfortable with. And so we don't want to completely shut them off from those because their friends are using them and maybe they don't see a video that their friend thought was hilarious. And then they find ways again with digital natives to make their own paths and tunnels to get there. They can set up another account. Um, They can go to their friend's house and do it. They can just lie about it. We don't want any of that to happen. And we can't completely guarantee or prevent against it. But we can say, like, we're going to set a little bit of time. You can check these things out. Um, So that's one of the big things Hmm. um, is just the limits that we put in there. And one of your main reasons for, as you said, principles, which I think is a really good approach, is because you're saying living here inside your phone means that you have less time and less opportunities to do more things in the real world with people. I try to look at it like an equation. I have been an analyst in a lot of my career in um, business and you know, you've got the numerator, try to put a lot of good stuff in there in their lives. You know, just like you do with food, you're not going to say you can never ever have a cookie, but you try to get lots of, Mm -hmm. you know, protein and fiber and whatever. So fruits and vegetables, and then try to minimize the stuff that you don't want them to spend time on. But I think if you try to totally take the reins and control it, there's a chance that they're going to pull away from you even harder and mm. you're going to have a bigger problem on your hands. Absolutely. So that's my first okay. um, kind of category. All right. So aside from, aside from the, uh, as Mike talked about from the, uh, John Mark Comer book, uh, parent your phone, put it to bed. Yeah. Um, 
what what else uh, in your guys' house are kind of those important things? Yeah, parent your phone, put it to bed. We have a limited amount of time that they can spend on it total, mm-hmm. which we can set up in settings. And then Kate comes to me and says, can you just add a little more time? I just have this thing I need to do, but at least we have a starting yeah. point. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and then uh, we have a couple principles, like being kind is just non-negotiable. Uh, so we'll talk with them about um, back in the day before there were other apps, I could actually check now and then and do a spot check on my old oldest kid's phone and see that uh, there's some communication on there that wasn't appropriate. And let's talk it through. I can't spot check texts as much now because of all the other apps and ways to communicate. I'm just being honest with you. That's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I open up the topic of being kind, being appropriate mm-hmm. um, on you know, online with my daughter who's still at home and we talk openly and I will have her sit down next to me and be like, just show me, you know, what's been going on. What, what are your friends posting? What, what have you been talking about lately? And she's open with me Hmm. Um, again, no guarantees here. Um, but I think that we have that sacred chest. I think we have that relationship. I feel like you can tell in a conversation if they're opening up or closing up Yeah, and there's a lot of high touch going on there. Um, again, not to, this is something where it's easy to make yourself feel guilty as a parent. If you do, am I spending enough time with my kid? Am I looking at it all enough? And that's not the point of the matter. It's just that walking the path with them, take a walk at night, talk Hmm. about things is going to trump all the rules every time. In my opinion, early teenagers are, you know, notoriously and famously. And in my own experience with having them grow through my house can, um, the the best way to say it is they feel things strongly, right? Yes. So how have you had success in, with your kids in, you talk about trust in growing that relationship of trust where, where this one area I think nowadays for us as parents is as countercultural in a lot of ways than about any stance that you could take as much as, don't what for us growing up it was if you're uh you know it was don't uh go to parties where there's drinking and don't yeah. da, like there's these things and that was against culture this is against culture so for our yeah, kids it's yeah. it can be hard <laughs> oh right gosh, so yes. what what has that been like has it been it's hard it's hard because like i said the parenting thing you've got two parents with a different perspective yeah. on the world and what should be okay um and the kids you can easily have the kid be like, well, mom, you're just mean. You're the strictest. I get the phone the latest. You're yeah. always this and that. Um, so, oh gosh, I don't know what the answer is to that. Is it? Is it a lot of how you're describing? It sounds like it's a lot of a relationship in every other area that gives you the trust where that doesn't feel like, well, all you care about is yeah. like, enforcing rules on me but that they understand that you're you have built relationships in other ways you know to be really transparent about it I've had to trust my husband more because he has he didn't grow up in a household like I said where in our house it was these are the rules and you will follow it and I think if I would have had that attitude 100% when my kids were growing up I wouldn't be as close to them as I am now that they're off in college and they're Mm. very open to us and so he would say Christy you know yes you know he did that or she did that and you can't bring the hammer so to speak and mm-hmm. be like you're never going to do that again i'm going to make sure you know um or you can't prevent all those things like it's it's a little bit of a of an art and a science hmm. um yeah i think that as a shepherd if you think about yourself as a shepherd in the household 
And you just go back to principles again. I've always been growing. I, I mentioned to you a minute ago the book Sacred Parenting about how this is an older book, um, how parenting shapes you as well, shapes mm. you to be, I guess, something that can be shaped by God like clay, but you're, you and your partner are shaping each other. Your kids are shaping and things are changing the whole time. Mm. But to have that approach or that posture, um, I had to be patient. I had, I'm not the most patient person. I had to be forgiving. I had to be... I had to be growing myself the whole way. And, you know, and now I'm releasing, you know, my kids yeah. off to, uh, anyway, to hopefully come back and say, hey, can we talk about this thing I'm struggling which, with, which they do. So, to, to that point, you and I were talking just a minute ago because we're in the same boat on the top end of this of yeah. um, you, you cross a point of parenting where um, you not only – can if you want to, but do you even have the ability to say, I need you to do this because I'm telling you to, to where you're in this in-between well, stage where your kids are moving ahead and you're like, I think this is a wise decision and I would like for you to do it because we trust each other. How have you walked yeah. that line of like the bridge between you have, uh, you know, elementary, middle, high school age kids that are in your house all the time to you have a college student who you're going to see a handful of times a semester and like you have to trust right, they're doing right. the right stuff. Well, my oldest, when he got his phone the first time, he was not demonstrating these qualities that we were looking for. And we took the phone away and gave it back to him like a year later. I mean, yeah. we had to work with him a little bit. Um, so my youngest, um, sometimes will have to take the phone if something happens. Yeah. Um, there are times when, like we are perfectly capable of having consequences. And I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, Love and logic is one um, program that we went to when hmm. the kids were younger, that was excellent. And yep. it talks about trying to take the emotion out of it. Um, like when I was talking about a minute ago, just like the way I was raised, it would be uh, some value would come into it. You're valuable as a person. You're not valuable as a person because you made this mistake. And I don't think that's healthy. And we try to take that mm -hmm. out of it. And yeah. love and logic is like, you've made this decision so you will have this consequence and I think that's extremely important that's how life works yep. and we will have consequences while they're in our house if if these things aren't followed as you said um, and it's having those conversations later on because we've had you know similar conversations in big and small ways with our college kid over this past year where something happens and we get a phone call of like kind of distraught about something and you dig in a little bit more and and you have to help them see, like, I'm not trying to be mean, yeah. but, like, if we trace this back, like, we love you and we care about you, but just want you to understand that this exact thing happened because of how, like, you made this bed and now you're lying in it. And I'm sorry that this happened, but also, like, we have choice. to do our best to learn from this because yeah. this is... When you cross a certain point, you can't... There are some things that you can't just fix by being convincing enough. It's just... If that's a de right. if a deadline passes yeah. at your school and you miss something, yeah. I, I, that's it. It's you know, like it's done. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of being a shepherd too. If you keep using that metaphor, I mean, there's times when you have to protect somebody from something they don't understand. Um, to guard and to oversee is important, not just to be an example, which yeah. is something mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about too, because you can control the things that you have control over and there's other things you don't like the serenity prayer, you know, mm -hmm. accept me, the, uh, give me the wisdom to change the things I can. And, 
and the courage, um, but the wisdom to know the difference is mm-hmm. how it goes. Because yes. um, I know I can be an example, and I, I just tend to be more of a middle of the road, balanced type of person. My personality is like that, and so I can choose to do some of the things. Um, and this isn't a you know hold myself up on a pedestal, but I have chosen to use an app. It's called Opal. And uh, it, there's a fee to it, um, but man, my phone shuts off 8, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Hmm. And my family has chosen not to use that app, but it just, like, I still have texting, yeah, phone calls, and Dexcom because my, my daughter, middle daughter, has type 1 diabetes. So you can choose which apps stay yeah. on, um, and I don't use it in the bedroom at night. Like, I have it in there for an alert if I need with the Dexcom, but... I can choose that myself without telling everybody else what they have to do. And Kate will comment on that and be like, oh, yeah, I know, Mom, your phone is off, so you can't send me this picture, but tomorrow can you do that? And people Mm -hmm. around you get used to it. So that's been huge for me because I want to do more reading. I want to be out walking. I love being outside. I love my being with my yellow lab. I'm here in the beautiful Carolinas, and I don't want to get caught up. What's yeah. what's hard for me is, as we were talking about that week that we talked about flourishing in a digital age, is that thing about trying to be like, omnipresent or all knowing or any Mm -hmm. that's you know and the empathy fatigue that comes because too much of a very good thing can turn over and have diminishing returns can become a bad thing yep and for me like I I just need to stop even if it's a good thing of reaching out to my parents or to a friend or somebody who needs it like I need to rest as well it's biblical to rest the fields or to rest the mind and so that's important to me. And I tried the grayscale, too, that you and Mike talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Um, grayscale was important to me because you don't get all fascinated with pictures. I can get caught up with texting pictures to people and connecting. But is it really, for me, it's not connecting as much. I found, I just did a one-week test of it using grayscale. If you're sending people pictures and notes and comments and thoughts or birthday greetings versus just picking up the phone and calling them. Yeah. Um, so it did help me with that to use that for a little bit, too. So that's interesting. Well, um, I want to I want to um, value your time here because I could talk for another half hour about this. <laughs> I know you have to wrap up soon. Could you could you share with me real quick if you could just go through um, in a minute a couple of. You had you had had a couple of things that you yeah. had mentioned that you've read through. Could you could you go through and give me some of some of uh, the books that have helped you with a title and an author in case anyone's listening um, and are in those early stages of just starting to think about this and feeling overwhelmed and just want to gain knowledge. so They can build their own principles to s- start stacking this stuff up. What's been helpful uh, to you and your family? Yeah, so some of these are. Um some of these are just books that have more tactical side to it. Sure. Parenting in the Screen Age by Delaney Rushton. Uh, Rushton, she is the one who did the documentary called Screen Agers, and she's known for trying to see the good and the bad of technology and open up. She calls it Tech Talk Tuesdays and sit at the table and talk about how did technology help you today? Hmm. Um, what are the limits we should put in place? And it has a whole, if you look at the Parenting in the Screen Age book, Um, It's all about conversations with your teenagers. So this wouldn't be for younger parents, maybe, um, but appreciating positive aspects of social media, how how do girls feel pressure online, how do family meetings replace family fights, um, how can we make sure youth don't lose their communication skills, how do we make sure they get good sleep? I mean, Mm, just really practical topics, and I love it. She has um, a website as well, and I get email updates from her, so that's been good. Um, The other books are more so like, just 
I brought them because they remind me of this evolution that we've gone through from when my kids were really young. I was reading books like that power of a praying parent or sacred parenting. And I think it's still important to pray for your kids and to try to think about how to have Holy spirit interactions with them. It sounds so abstract, but talk to them about clearing space for silence. It's hard to do as a, as adults, let alone as a kid to wake up in the morning and just be like, Breathe in the Holy Spirit for your day. Start with a prayer and things mm-hmm. like that. And and those are relevant. I think we can get so caught up in in books like this other one I have here, which is iGen by Jean Twinge. It's a fantastic book. It's good for me to read. But I don't want all my time to be caught up with, oh, my kids are Gen Z. What are the risks? What are the fears? Like, I am not going to live a life of fear. So this one is more informative and I read it and then I set it aside and just keep trying to go back to those principles and foundations and Hmm. keep them rooted. The last one is how to raise an adult. And this Hmm. is something they gave a lecture on at our high school um, is, is how to, you know, let me just tell you this one highlight I have in here, um, which is that as parents, our job is to maybe start with, we do it for you and move to, we do it with you. Yeah. And then we watch you do it. And then you need to do it independently. And that that's the through line of this book, How to Raise an Adult, um, is that eventually your kids need to know how to do these things on their own, either by watching you, by you encouraging them, by you praying for them. Um, and then over time, you're going to have to release some of it. That's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> but when you do this stuff on the way up, it definitely becomes a lot easier. So I think so. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, uh, I really hope that, that this was, um, an encouragement to listen to as a parent, whether you have young kids and you're trying to figure this out, whether you have kids in the middle or even out of the house and you're figuring out how to be grandparent to kids coming into your house with devices. I hope this has been helpful. We will uh, catch you next time on the ask LFC podcast.